welcome to the show where we love curling toward inclusions. I'm your host, Bree Rohde, and I start to determine when media, creators, and podcasts you love peak. Today, I am here to discuss the peak of Peak Show Season 1. Uh, season 1 of Peak Show has concluded with 18 amazing episodes from 16 incredible guest hosts, and we're coming back. We're taking a month, the month of December and January largely off and coming back with a new slate of episodes starting in February. But I thought it would be fun to come together and talk about the year that was in terms of Peak Show, the year that was in pop culture, uh, the year that is coming, uh, play some games and ring in the next season of Peak Show. So I've got a whole cast of wonderful characters to do that with. And I would love if you all introduce yourselves one by one and say who you are, what episode or episodes you were on, and what the peak of your year was. So um, obviously I'm gonna start, I'm Brie. I was the host of all the episodes and the peak of my year was probably uh, September 15th, closing on uh, my first home and then moving away to Norfolk County. So I guess uh, Jose is next. Jose, can you introduce yourself? Sure. <laughs> okay, so I, I am Jose of the appropriately titled Jose channel. I was on the uh, Malcolm in the Middle episode and the third Simpsons episode of Peak Show, which was uh, a lot of fun. As for my peak of the year, uh, it's hard to say. I moved into a new apartment, which is super nice, and I'm enjoying the view as we speak. And uh, yeah, I'd say that, probably, that might be the peak right there. And of course, appearing on the first episode of Peak Show, that was quite a peak as well. Yes, it was very important. Hi, everyone. I'm Liz. Um, I was on the So You Think You Can Dance episode and the Arrested Development episode. Um, and the peak of my year was either going to Toronto and seeing a bunch of my friends, uh, including the lovely host Bree, or getting my name removed off a mortgage um, that with someone who I no longer associate with. So, you know, one or the other. Give it up for Liz, everyone. Hi, everyone. Maggie Olson, one of the few American uh, guests, I think. I was on the Office episode with Bree, and the peak of my year was two weeks ago when I got engaged. Yay, congratulations, Maggie. Hi, I'm Mint. Uh, I was on the Saw episode, and the peak of my year was getting back to movie theaters. I had missed them and have spent a lot of time in them since they reopened. Woohoo! Very happy for you. By the way, I live in a town now that has like a non-chain cinema. I'm really excited. No good show, good movies have come to it yet, but I really hope Spencer comes to it. Uh, Ted is next. Ted, introduce yourself. Hey there, I'm Ted. I was on the first of three Simpsons episodes, uh, and uh, the peak of my year would uh, be in September. I celebrated my 10th wedding anniversary with my lovely wife, so that's very exciting. That's beautiful, Ted. Jason. Hello, uh, I'm Jason. I was on the second of three Simpsons episodes. Uh, the peak of my year, aside from, well, I mean, you know, that's a great answer from earlier, the movies, when the movies came back, uh, getting back into the movie theaters, but also spending some time in beautiful upstate New York State. Just a lovely way to spend any amount of time. Are you being facetious? No, this is just how my voice sounds. <laughs> I'm, I know very little about uh, upstate New York. Uh, all right, your fellow New Yorker, Kelsey. 
Hi, I'm Kelsey. I was on the Mighty Ducks episode. Um, and the peak of my year was actually, I have this written down, spending some time at Lake George in upstate New York um, with Jason and a bunch of our other friends. Um, it was really beautiful, really great. It was snowy the whole time. So that was it. Either that or getting my wonderful two cats here in July um, who have been a menace to my life, but I also love them a lot. <laughs> What did one of them eat? A staple? Yeah. Pet <laughs> yeah. fun. Pet fun. All right. And next on the list is Sam. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm Sam. I was on the Arkells episode with Bree, and uh, I have objectively had an absolutely terrible year. But there's been uh, a couple wonderful silver linings in it. Um, I'd say the peak was my sister gave birth to her daughter Daphne this year. So I became an uncle, and it is the first baby in my generation of the family. So that was very exciting. Yeah, aunt and uncledom uh, rules. And also that Daphne is a great name. It uh, is. Annie. I was so excited yeah. when it came out. Yeah. Uh, the only, we, we, by the way, have a pair of cousins on the call. Annie is Maggie's cousin. Uh, so Annie, introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm Annie. And I was on the very fierce and glorious episode of America's Next Top Model for, for Peak Show. And my peak for the year, I talked about it on my episode, but I got a much sought after promotion to editor of a daily newspaper here in Minnesota, which I tried very hard for, for a long time. And then kind of to double down on it, um, about a week ago, I found out that I will be winning multiple awards for the awful last year of not being the editor. So it kind of justified all the hard work that I put in and why I should have gotten exactly what I got. Congratulations, Annie. That is amazing. You are killing it. Thank Gaush, you. Gaush, introduce yourself. Hey guys, my name is Gaush. I was on the uh, episode uh, About Nothing, aka the Seinfeld episode. Uh, and I would say the uh, my the peak of my year would either be, yes, closing on a beautiful new home uh, with my young family, or uh, finally getting to go to a real gym like a few weeks ago and like just just feeling a little bit normal only to like three days later see a lot of news about oh Omic omicron or whatever or marion and i was like yeah i'm screwed so we're screwed they were all <laughs> oh marion all right kyle <laughs> uh hi everybody i'm kyle uh i was on the judd apatow episode and uh my peak um i'm kind of stealing from everybody here I managed to get a new dog, my first actual dog really in my whole life. And I finally got a new job after five or six years of trying, uh, both within the same week in June. So I'm finally using my degree at the ripe old age of 33. Hey, it's never too late. And uh, finally, Jared, who was on no episode. Introduce yourself, Jared. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, of course, I'm Jared, and uh, this is my first episode. And uh, yeah, I think uh, along with uh, my wife, Bree, there, uh, my peak was uh, also closing in on our home. And just so everyone knows, Jared has played a role in every single episode because he's kind of the master uh, technical person behind it. The website is entirely his creation. He takes care of the uploading, the artwork and everything because I don't know shit about shit. Uh, so, you know, bless him. Um, 
So yeah, we're going to get right into our agenda because there's so many of us. We don't want to, we don't want to go on forever, but I want to just kind of talk about the year that was. So um, I think we'll stick to ascending order just because uh, why bother, uh, why bother confusing everyone. Um, but I want to talk about what kind of our favorite pop culture releases uh, or news of the year was. So for me, actually a thing I, I mean, the obvious thing is the new season of Ted Lasso. I loved it. Um, and I actually really liked old. I know it was a polarizing movie, uh, but I, I thought it was great. I thought it was fun for Shyamalan to uh, kind of, I think, embrace the fact that he's a bit of a cheesy uh, screenwriter. Uh, I love the new season of The Babysitter's Club. And although I wasn't that crazy about Red Taylor's version, um, I loved the 10 minute all too well. Uh, but the release of Evermore was a huge one for me. Jared can attest that I've listened to nothing but that album for months. So, um, uh, Jose, can you tell us about the peak of, or uh, not sorry, the peak of your year, but what you thought were some of the best pop culture releases of 2021? Well, you took one of them for me right there with uh, the second season of The Babysitter's Club. Uh, few shows have had me as hyped as that one. So, just waiting for that to come out was. Uh, Part of the whole uh, experience and then watching the thing and it was like, how could they only do eight episodes to us? That was uh, criminal. It's hard for me to think of like stuff I enjoyed from 2021 because I sort of like my pop culture habits, I guess, are sort of all over the place. Uh, so <laughs> one of the big highlights in uh, media for me this year that uh, I finally got around to watching uh, Jojo Rabbit, which I loved. Um, an emotional roller coaster. So that was probably a peak as well. I and I'm, I've watched roller coasters. I know. And I just watched when Marnie was there last night and I'm still not completely over that one either. <laughs> All right, Liz, is there anything from 2021 that you're still not over? Um, you took mine with 10 minute all too well. Um, I think that changed my life. Uh, same kind of thread. Um, the album sour by Olivia Rodrigo that was in my top played for months and months and I can't get enough of that album and I'm really excited for whatever she puts out next. And finally, uh, Benefer getting back together was a very big part of 2021 for me. I really love all this 2000s era stuff coming back. It, it fills me with joy. Low rise um, jeans, Benefer, like what else? <laughs> Oh my god, if we can bring back songs peeking out of low-rise jeans, like the whale tail thing, I am here for it. <laughs> All right, um, Maggie, uh, 2021 highlights for pop culture. So I think a lot of mine are the same as everyone's. I obviously fell in love with Ted Lasso because I have a heart and an Apple TV account, so we spent a lot of hours watching that. Um, I'm like Jose in that I don't... I, my habits don't tend to be super linear. So I don't know how many I can tie back specifically to the calendar year. But the one that came to mind is I, I read a book this year called The Very Nice Ox by Laura Blackett and Eve Leishman that I loved. It was so good. And that that one came out this year. I went back and double checked to make sure I did have at least one timely reference. But that was one that came out um, that I really enjoyed. And then of course, everything Taylor Swift does, I, I am excited about. So I was also um, team evermore over folklore. So one of the many Twitter opinions that united Bree and me. <laughs> so yes. those, those would be mine, yeah. Okay, Mitch, I, I'm going to ask you, but I also, I, I'm pu pulling back to our episode. We're like, I'm excited for Spiral. I'm excited for Spiral. Did you end up seeing Spiral and did you like it? 
I was hoping you weren't going to ask me that because I, I hated it. I, I really didn't like no. it. I wanted to so badly, but uh, I, I I really didn't. And I was very disappointed by it. Um, as for uh, 2021, other 2021 stuff that I did love, um, the movie person in me has to shout out Dune, which was just so much better than I ever imagined it was going to be. Um, you know, repping Denis Villeneuve, Canadian filmmakers. Um, but in terms of the most impactful on me, the two uh, are more music related. One is um, the Get Back documentary that just came out uh, on the Beatles, which also better than I could have imagined it, an eight hour documentary on the Beatles being. Uh, and a different Taylor, for me, it was uh, Fearless Taylor's version that really just blew me away because I was not in the, the demo for it when it first came out. And so it, mm -hmm. I this was like my first real exposure to it uh, as an album and it just blew me away totally changed my thoughts on early taylor swift fearless was my intro to taylor because i had a roommate in university who uh would literally play her love story over and over and over while she took 40 minute showers um so i didn't like taylor swift for a long time uh but so i i i agree with you. fearless taylor's version rules um ted what are some uh, 2021 media highlights for you I'm going to have to be the uh, the odd one out here. Well, depending on what comes after me. and uh, kind of You're not Swifty? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, so I'm going to have to go with uh, a very, very recent, uh, very recent release that I haven't had a lot of experience with yet. But I spent most of 2021 waiting for uh, the release of Endwalker, the new expansion for Final Fantasy XIV Online. Um, and it's really good, at least what I've spent with it so far, because I can't log in anymore because the servers are crashing with too many people uh but uh and no so that was really good and uh obviously just the stuff that kind of came along with that uh, the uh, the trailers and and the music and things that came along uh, ahead of that so that's my uh, my 2021 pop culture thing awesome yeah no one said a video game yet so um i don't know if anyone will uh but that's thank you for deviating from the crowd ted jason highlights for you yeah, uh, in the interest of providing balance, uh, I will name a video game first. The expansion for The Outer Wilds, uh, Echoes of the Eye. Uh, it's a game I'm very fond of, and that expansion is... I still have not beat it, but I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh, I'm not very good at it. Uh, my real peak of 2021, though, was in September, uh, where Malignant was released, and the world met a lovable little scamp named Gabriel, and that movie has dwelled not unlike a, a parasitic twin inside my own mind uh, since I saw it. And I'm just always thinking about that movie and how much I love it. All right, we now go to your parasitic twin, Kelsey. Uh, Kelsey, <laughs> what was it, your 2021 highlight? And I hope it has something to do with figure skating. Um, it doesn't actually, because there wasn't a ton of figure skating in 2020, 2021, because it is an international sport and international travel is hard. But um, no, my like media, um, my media highlights, uh, I have to shout out uh, Barb and Star, Go to Vista Del Mar movie, Kristen Wiig, um, in Momolo. Like it, I've seen it, I think five times now. I went and saw it in theaters when they released it in theaters with Jason and his wife and a bunch of our friends. And we went to like a rowdy screening. It was so fun. It is such a feel good movie. I cannot say enough good things about it and go watch it. It's great. I would say that. And then um, uh, maybe the somewhat divisive, uh, but Bo Burnham inside 
really like meant a lot to me <laughs> this year and how much it sort of like hit a lot of millennial headspace uh, uh, and just sort of like felt made me feel seen in, in a way. Um, I don't really know how to explain it. But yeah, I think those those two media wise are um, the, the biggest two things from this year for me. I agree with you. And I also didn't realize until you and Jason did a podcast episode on it that Inside was divisive. So um, I, I'm right with you there. The Zoomers, they do not like it. <laughs> Meh. Um, all right, Sam, 2021 highlights. You know, it's funny. It's like conversations like this kind of always remind me how much, like for lack of a better word, like pop culture, I'm a little bit locked out of because I don't have an Apple TV and I don't have a Disney Plus account. And I badly, badly, badly want to get into both Ted Lasso and Get Back and can't bring myself to shell out for those two services, um, which is, you know, just sort of a bummer sometimes. But uh, yeah, I'll have to rethink about how I how I get my media. I don't know. Maybe I don't need cable anymore, although I like cable. It's weird. You have um, cable? I have cable. I am watching CFL on cable right now as we speak. It is glorious. You just press a button and things turn on. By the way, Sam and I are the same age. Yeah. We need to realize that. Anyway, so what what did you, what were your cable so, highlights? Well, you know what's funny is is cable is oddly related to one of them and and nobody's brought this up yet too, but I thoroughly loved the North Division of the NHL. That was just fun that we're never going to get back. Canada playing Canada. We got our own league for a year and it was glorious. I loved so much of it. Uh, hockey's dead to me again because, you know, we, we, let, the, we let the Yanks back in. Um. <laughs> Kelsey saying, was it fun? <laughs> we got some opinions. Um, oh, the playoffs you know, were a riot. Holy man. At the very least, I will say what it what this year has proved is that the North Division actually was good. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. All right. Uh, so, Annie, what were some of your pop culture highlights from the year? Um, so I'm a lot like what other people have said, where my pop culture knowledge kind of jumps all around, and I'm not always really good about getting on board with things when they're new. Um, but there are a few things I was really excited about, and one of them I'm doing a I'm going to piggyback on a sports thing, but Justin Morneau was finally inducted into the Minnesota Twins Hall of Fame. It got put off because of COVID. He's amazing. Maggie is probably just like, I'm over this baseball thing with this family, but it's who I am. So I was very excited about that. Um, other than that, um, the introduction of Amanda Gorman into my life during Joe Biden's um, inaugural event her poetry is just amazing i'm still waiting for her book to arrive in my mail it keeps getting pushed back but it's supposed to be here in like three days um glennon doyle announced that she was releasing a journal for untamed so i was very excited about that because i love her and believe she can do no wrong and one time she tweeted at me and called me a cheetah and that was really amazing um Dan Brown's lost symbol dropped on Peacock and I love Dan Brown and I was really sad that Tom Hanks wasn't part of it but it's been really good and then I there might be an unpopular opinion but I am just stoked about this Dexter reboot it has been amazing to me I am shocked it's as good as it is I thought it was going to be trash and now I'm really bummed out because it's probably going to be a one and done thing of one of my favorite shows having a reboot that's actually good for a change well, coincidentally, we are coming to a Dexter fan. Uh, Gash, what was what were some of your twenty twenty one highlights? I, I, I gotta I, I gotta say first about Dexter. Like I I actually haven't watched it because I avoided. Like I didn't know if I wanted to go back to it after 
how it crashed and burned at the very end that the way that show went was just tragic like it peaked way too early uh different conversation but i am now gonna give it a shot uh but i also want to address the north division thing that was not fun uh because the first part was fun oh yeah great yeah we get to play each other after the seventh time you're just like okay i do not want to see this team again a and b i hate all other canadians now like i hate them and i'm not supposed to uh but uh re realistically um in terms of pop culture like releases this year i thought one meta thing i guess i wanted to mention was the friends reunion right um you know, we're we're talking about a lot of TV here, and uh, this is a reunion show. So I thought it was it was just, it was just cool to see them back together again. I know everybody wanted to see them as a an episode or something like that, but it was just nice to see them again. And I think the one other thing that stuck around for me this year was uh, the way people reacted to Squid Game. Just the insanity that people apparently forgot what childhood playground games were, and all of a sudden, oh my god. Did you know you could do this outside? Like, did you, were, were you guys not children? Like, what the? F but yeah, that, that was it, just watching the chaos that ensued from Squid Game was uh, just was a peak in itself. I was never a child. So. All right, Kyle, twenty twenty one picks from Kyle. Uh, yeah, like Mint, I I was really into Dune. Uh, I discovered the books when I was a teenager in the back of the school library, and everybody thought I was insane because I was talking about it incessantly as a 13-year-old. So that was a big thing that I waited a long time to finally see because it got pushed back. Uh, I really liked that version. It's my version of Dune. And then, of course, just uh, finally getting an NHL team within you know 500 miles of me was great because I've been rooting for the Canucks for a couple of years now. And that's uh, it's I've been long suffering as a Canucks fan. So I'm happy to have my own team and they're doing fine for their first season so far that we've had some problems. I was in Arizona for the game against the Coyotes where I I'm not sure exactly what happened. It was some sort of evil alchemy that made us lose to the worst team in the league. But I was there to yell in my grandmother's uh, living room, and she was very confused because I was watching on my phone while we were watching a Blazers game. <laughs> By the way, uh, it, to clarify, there are, I think, five Americans on this call, which is pretty cool. Peak Show is an international show. But you do have a fellow Canucks fan in Kelsey, uh, who is not from your time zone at all. She just loves the Canucks because they're charming lads. They are. They are indeed that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Jared, my wonderful husband, who is completely unplugged from pop culture, who didn't see a Seinfeld episode until I showed him Seinfeld, uh, what were some of your favorite uh, pop culture picks from this year? Um, <clears throat> well, uh, Ted Lasso, definitely. Um, love that series. Being uh, uh, growing up British, a um, bit more of a deeper connection there for me. So uh, that was good. Um, I'm surprised none of the sci-fi nerds have mentioned um, the foundation series uh just started watching that went through the first season and actually kind of enjoying it uh that wasn't too bad also i was a big dexter fan as well and now that a couple people have voted yes for it i will uh go out and try that <laughs> another reason for me to avoid the basement that's right <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, now this is, I'll say, roundtable style, so if anyone wants to answer, just unmute yourself, answer. If we have some uh, you know, conversational bottlenecks, it's all, it's all in good fun. 
I would love for anyone to chime in and say, if there was any episode this season besides your own that you could have done, and that includes the episodes of people who weren't here, like um, Christy, who did Parks and Rec, she wanted Adam to be here. So, you know, you can say Parks and Rec or something like that, or Radiohead. But if there's any episode this season besides your own that you could have done, what would you have wanted it to be? I would have done the Seinfeld episode, 100%. And when I was listening to the Seinfeld episode, because I listened in my car, I was freaking out like, oh my God, yes. Oh my God, no. Like (laughs) they got it wrong. They got it right. I loved Seinfeld. And one part that particularly interested me was when you guys got talking about the conversation between Seinfeld and friends, because I too like both Seinfeld and friends, but for totally different reasons. I like friends because I grew up watching friends. So it's very nostalgic for me. So I like it. I like Seinfeld because yes, while I grew up watching it, it is the best show and my favorite show of all time. So I loved that show. And Maggie can attest to this, although I don't know how much Seinfeld she's watched. My dad reminds me so much of Kramer or Kramer just reminds me so much of my dad, (laughs) all the good parts of Kramer. And so the, the Michael Richardson thing, of course, devastated my family for a lot of ways, but we just kind of, they're different. They're separate. (laughs) Um, So I would have loved to be a part of the Seinfeld episode. All right. Uh, so I would have loved to have hosted either the uh, episode on Scream uh, or the episode on Judd Apatow, uh, not least of which to defend the dignity of This Is 40, Funny People, and Scream 3, which I feel were very unfairly maligned, um, especially This Is 40, which is, to me, Judd Apatow's peak because it's his most human movie. I know, Brie, none of you listening can see this, but Brie is freaking out right now, and it's very funny. Um I yeah the the episodes were great. Uh, I went back and listened to all of the episodes that I had no background in, and this has been a really great show to be a part of. Um, but those two episodes, man, I was screaming while doing the dishes at how wrong you were about those uh, those lovely movies. I will also say, although he's not here to state. Um... <laughs> Um, that Fred is a big defender of Scream 3. I would even uh, go as far as to call him a Scream 3 apologist, but yeah, I, I am unflinching on Scream 3. All right, Gaush. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to hear Annie's thoughts on uh, the Seinfeld episode later on, but um, I think the episode I really wanted to be a part of was the Parks and Rec episode, but while listening to it, I was like, Dude, like they, they they got so much of this like so correct that I I feel like I wouldn't I, I I don't think I could bring anything intelligent to this conversation at some point other than just freak out or talk about the time that uh, like that painting like the only thing I always think about is I want to look at something the way he looked at the what was his character uh, now I'm blanking on as he's in sorry. Uh, Tom's character. When, Tom, when Tom's looking at the paint, the painting for five hours. I just want to be able to look at something like that. Sometimes, someday in my life, just look at it like it's it's so beautiful. <laughs> I just want it's just that's it. That was the episode I wanted to be a part of, and that would have been my only contribution. Just talking about that painting. Super. <laughs> All right, Sam. I I'm gonna say this with a giant caveat that. Um, I have not listened to this episode yet because it is the most recent one that came out. Uh, so I'm three days behind, but I would have loved to dig into Arrested Development. Um, 
partly because I feel like that's one of those shows where, where people either have one of two relationships with it. It's either just sort of there in the background and they don't get it. And it's this piece of pop culture that they completely skipped over or you can recite every line of it like I can. And you have opinions on everything in that show. So uh, I am sure it is an absolute top-notch quality episode of Peak Show that I have yet to listen to yet and probably will be the subject of a dog walk today or tomorrow. But uh, that would have been a lot of fun. Well, I, I think I'm really proud of the episode. Liz and Mike were amazing and especially listened to it for roasting of my pronunciation of GIF. Um, which was, uh, you know, a thing. Kyle. Uh, I, I probably uh, would have had a ball with the Mighty Ducks episode. Uh, I Disney got me with those movies when I was a kid. I didn't know what hockey was. And then I watched the Mighty Ducks. Kel Kelsey's pointing at herself. Yeah, it's uh, that was my introduction to the sport. And it was to me what the Sandlot is to a lot of other people my age and I went to see the sequels in theaters I even watched the terrible cartoon I I, I love me some Mighty Ducks and I love me some Emilio Estevez so I could have talked about that for a long time and the new show which I think is great by the way um, I know that this was kind of all over at least some of the corners of Twitter uh, when it happened and there were um, there was I guess a report that Emilio Estevez wasn't coming back for season two because he wasn't he didn't want to get vaccinated and I recently read, and that turned out to not be true. Emilio Estevez uh, filmed the entire ser uh, first season while suffering from long COVID symptoms. And um, the reason he didn't come back was simply like a contract dispute. But so that, first of all, has saved my kind of impression of Emilio Estevez and my love of him. But also, that sucks. Like, working with long COVID, that's terrible. Uh, so all the best to him and hope he recovers because yeah, we love, uh, we love coach Bombay. All right, Ted. Well, I'm a one trick pony, so I would have liked to have been on the other two Simpsons episodes as well, because I could just talk about that show for the rest of my life. Uh, but, uh, and I actually, honestly, I loved listening to everybody else's uh, takes on it. It was a, a really enlightening experience, gave me a lot to think about uh, just my own opinions and uh, on my own takes uh, coming in first on that one. Uh, Seinfeld obviously is another big uh, show for me. That would have been fun to be on. And uh, and I did just listen to the um, Arrested Development episode today. Uh, had it on uh, while I was working, and uh, and it is really good. So I you know if you haven't listened to it yet, uh, Sam, I will say that uh, it's very funny and uh, and it's excellent. So that's and that's it. Arrested Development would have been fun too. Oh, thank you. All right, Kelsey. Uh, yeah, I have three that I, I think I would have enjoyed. Uh, the first being the Scream episode, which Scream was something that I was introduced to fairly recently. And Jason was the first person to show me the Scream movies. And we actually did a podcast on them as well. Um, but I... Uh, if just to defend the sanctity of Scream 3 and to bring in the not mentioned and oft maligned Scream TV series, um, <laughs> which uh, I just think could have been interesting. Um, but the other two are kind of for sort of, I don't know if I like had differing opinions from you all, but I would have liked to bring in my own experience with um, 
uh, the So You Think you, Think You Can Dance episode that uh, Liz and Bree did. Um, I took ballroom dancing for uh, a good section of my childhood, and I would have liked to bring that experience. And I didn't watch the show, though, until I was in college. So, um, but yeah, I had a really good time listening to that episode and was just like, oh, we don't appreciate Kat Dealey enough. We need to give her everything. Um, and then the other episode um, that I would have enjoyed listening to or being a part of just because my experience with it is so different um, was uh, the Arkells episode. So Arkells episode. Um, but um, uh, just because I was someone who I'm not Canadian and I'm not um I didn't grow up in Ontario and I didn't get to see them in like small bars and stuff. I found them when they uh, came to uh, Pyeongchang in 2018 as part of the Olympics. And that is how I discovered them. So between uh, the deluxe edition of Morning Report and Rally Cry was like my like when I found them. And it was so interesting to hear you all talk about like their early years and their earlier stuff, which I had to go back and discover, basically. And it's also really interesting to talk about them like playing arenas because I've seen them twice here and both times they've been opening for other bands and it's been like a short set and just not long enough for me <laughs> so I'm seeing them in May they're coming they're coming back and they're doing a full set so I'm I'm really excited but yeah that was that was a really interesting episode for me to listen to just because I had such a different experience with mm -hmm. the band yeah Kelsey you're the only American I know that is even like, aware of the Arkell so that's cool I I My still will give all credit to Kyle Dubas <laughs> Yeah. I had a former roommate who was from Buffalo and really liked them too. So okay. um, basically but Canada. that's basically Canada. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of Kat Dealey, we come to another tall queen, uh, Maggie. So looking at the full slate of episodes, it's been kind of humbling, like the size of the gaps in my pop culture knowledge. Like there's really not a whole lot on here that I could do any justice to. And I'll echo what Gauch said that I don't know if I could have gone on to Parks and Rec and done better than Brie and Christy could have. But the one thing that would have been fun is I actually, um, for four years when I first moved to Ohio, which is where I live now, I worked for a nonprofit that was closely affiliated to the park. So having worked in parks for a number of years, I can attest to the fact that a lot of the personalities that you see in Parks and Rec actually do occur in like major federal park management agencies. So it would have been kind of fun to do the who's who of like, what characters manifest as real people in Northeast Ohio park system. So that's the one that I think would have been fun is to, is to bring the like city parks versus national parks take to that universe. But again, Brie and Christy did so well. I can't imagine I would have added meaningfully to that episode. Well, thank you so much. I, I, I was shocked, like pleasantly shocked, but just like baffled at the, um, the positive feedback we got for the parks and rec. Cause we just, uh, I'll see, uh Gash is coming in the chat talking a bit of shit saying he still doesn't get the Arkells and uh what that actually is a great segue to my next question which is roundtable style you know raise your hand come in if you want is there anyone who like either going through your own episode or going <laughs> going through anyone else's episode kind of maybe changed your perspective on certain episodes like I actually found I you know for I was motivated enough to do an episode on the Arkells, so I always liked the Arkells, but I think like looking back at them just gave me a lot more affection for them and their kind of scrappy start. So that was something that kind of changed my perspective a little bit. Also, uh, doing the Seinfeld episode, I have to say, made me um, look a lot more critically at like the acting in it and the writing in it and the like, is the show actually about nothing? Um, 
and it made me re-fall in love with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Um, so is there anyone who either your or another episode kind of like made you change your perspective on something? Sam, go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll bite because this seems to be uh, gang up on on Arkell's time here or or speak in praise of Arkell's time or or what have you. But we seem to be a part of the show. Where we're talking about Arkell's. So um, it, it's like doing that episode was really interesting for me because I took this thing that meant fun university times, you know, sort of that throwback nostalgia music that they'd sort of become to represent to me. And I had to look at them more critically. And that's like, that changes things. Um, considering like a, a true peak for them or considering what wasn't their best work and considering, um, you know, where this, this group has evolved was something that like, I'd never really had to make myself do the exercise of until I signed up to chat with Bree about them for an hour and a half. And so I think that like probably some of the other guests here will, will have similar experiences, but it's just like, did anybody else find that it like, it didn't make you appreciate them more or less, but you just, you had like a deeper understanding of something that you thought you, you knew and you loved a lot. And then, you know, you put in the work to, to be able to speak as a bit of an authority on them. And, and it's like, there's somebody that you didn't expect them to be, you know? Yeah, and I think like um, looking at the chronology of something also helps you like be really really critical of an evolution. So that's pretty cool. All right, Gauche, and if this is this is about the about the Arkells, I will laugh. <laughs> well, I'll start off with the Arkells. Like I, I I honestly don't get it. Like a lot, especially like when it's like Kyle Davis. Like I hate you. I love you, man, but I hate you. Like why do you keep pulling these guys in? Anytime it comes up, I'm just like looking around. At everybody else, like seriously, like. What, what, what? And you know what the irony is? I went to McMaster a hundred percent when they were there. Like I was literally there during their formation. I don't get it, but whatever. I digress. Um, I think the uh, I think the one thing about my episode that I thought was really uh, was really cool for me was like I was definitely in total panic about Seinfeld because I thought it was like the weakest thing I, I had in my roster of what I was like you know obsessed with like uh, everything else like uh, like. Parks and Rec and like, you know, community friends, like I could recite like word for word episodes, right? Like I could, I could be in the kitchen, it could be playing out there and I know exactly what, who's going to say when, and I couldn't do that with Seinfeld. So I had to go through a quick binge. And I remember panicking the whole time, like, oh my God, I'm going to have to speak on a podcast. And then I listened to the Parks and Rec episode. And I'm like, they were so eloquent that they were so smart. I'm going to sound like a total dumbass. I need to binge this like a mother. And I was like, I was dying like I was like running through episodes and like I, when we finally got to it like it was really it was almost a relief I'm like okay I'm done uh, and then I, I I actually didn't get to finish through the binge binge so like I finished the binge afterwards and I was like oh man I would have brought more from this final season up because there were things about especially Julia uh, Louis-Dreyfus that I thought in the final season were like kind of pertinent to the conversation and she really she 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 was a star of that show like she was just beautiful but uh Arkos, nah, I'm sorry. Heart, heart just, eyes for her. Yeah. All right, Kyle. Sorry, I was I was rambling in the chat trying to answer uh, Gouge. I was in the same boat, actually, just uh, worried that I was going to be rambling incoherently <laughs> for minutes at a time. And uh, uh, I'm I'm my own worst enemy as far as uh, criticizing myself. So I still think I was in that episode, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think the Simpsons episodes for me 
gave me a new appreciation for the the seasons that I either don't have a good memory of or missed entirely because there are large swaths of maybe five years of The Simpsons that I think I might have missed completely. So I kind of want to go back and watch all of it now, now that I have a better perspective. It's not just, oh, the golden early years and then the the new years that everybody thinks less of. It's, you know, it's an evolution. It's uh, a lot of years and a lot of different writers and showrunners. So there are distinct eras and the episodes were great and really showed me that, illustrated it for me. Yeah, I recently did a chronological watch through of every Treehouse of Horror. I did one a day for every day of October. It was a bad time. Um, and you guys all know how I feel about Treehouse of Horror classic years. So, all right, Annie. Um, so I was super excited to talk about America's Next Top Model because I was thinking we were going to do this bitchy little thing where we sat around and we're like, oh my God, I can't believe she cried. Get it together. Do you want to be on top or not? Come on, let's go. But a couple things that kind of surprised me. One of them was when I was kind of just doing a quick research of all the contestants and I saw Kelly from Cycle 3 pop up and just remembering how devastated I was for her. I was never planning on talking about her originally, but when I really thought about the way she was treated by some of the judges and by some of the girls, it just really kind of stuck out to me as this really pivotal moment of how damaging I think the modeling industry and stereotypes really truly can have on someone who is insanely gorgeous, undeniably beautiful. And she left that show thinking she was hideous and it, it was devastating to me. Um, the other part that really, and I think Sam kind of touched on this, that you really, once you do some research and it kind of illuminates these different things you didn't really think about before, and Brie and I talked about it heavily on the show, was substance abuse and how it's connected to mental health and how rampant it is in Hollywood in general, but in the modeling industry, because this is what that show is about. And what a lot of people don't know is come the first of the year, I will be celebrating my first year sober. And I am, <laughs> I'm really excited about it. But going back and doing all of this research, it, it was just really crazy how obvious it was in the show that so many of these people really suffered from extreme substance abuse and how they washed over it. I mean, if you look at Janice Dickinson to some of the contestants, it was just kind of insane how they really tried to bury all of these problems under the rug. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And uh, snaps to you, Annie. By the way, uh, after offline, I will give you my recommendation for the fancy, fancy drinking vinegar I uh, often drink. They're called wine proxies and they're amazing. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm admitting to drinking vinegar on the air. All right, Ted. Yeah, um, it's funny because uh, I had it all of the same kind of experience, uh, I, I will say, as, as Gauch did, just in terms of like actually kind of feeling a little bit like I wouldn't have the correct level of depth or authority. And, and when I recorded, there had only been, I think, two episodes that had been released at the time. Uh, so I, I wasn't really sure uh, what, uh, what I was getting into. And I mean, I could talk about The Simpsons all day, but you know, how, how intelligently can I talk about it? Was I rambling coherently, but still rambling? And I think I probably was a little bit. Uh, but uh, I do like just hearing from, especially when uh, we get into the TV stuff and the ratings, where you've got all that uh, institutional knowledge about uh, 
ratings and, and media and that kind of stuff and how that goes in. And I've, I've just rather enjoyed uh, listening to uh, to everyone's uh, uh, takes on things and, and just kind of getting a, getting an idea of it because, you know, you can enjoy things with, uh, with other people and, and you have your friend groups and, and stuff like that. But when you get in with, with someone that maybe you don't know, but, uh, and that's the beauty of podcasting, you get to hear all these different voices from all over the place. Uh, you get to hear all these different perspectives, and uh, and it's it was really uh, really interesting just to hear uh, how people uh, reacted to things that I also enjoyed. Fantastic! All right, Liz, hop on in. Well, uh, for the "So You Think You Can Dance" episode, I thought it was interesting to kind of revisit all of it and think more critically about it because, like, with my other episode, like Arrested Development, like I was like, yeah, you think critically about like TV and comedy and what jokes are being made and who the audience is, but for dance, like when I was watching it specifically, like as it was airing, like I wasn't necessarily thinking about those things. So then going back and watching it more critically and thinking about how people were represented and what the different storylines were and stuff like that. It was like, oh, this is something you think critically about as well. And just seeing how much you can like kind of take from just this like, quote unquote, like fun dance competition to be like how people are represented in these different like scenarios and stuff like that. So I thought it was really cool to go back and think like super critically about something that I hadn't really before. Yeah, honestly, like when I was looking back, I also feel like we could have been even meaner about like the way they treated black men on that show. Like this is such a stain on one an otherwise beautiful, wonderful show. All right, Jose. Sure. So uh, for me, it would be the the Malcolm in the Middle episode. Uh, I actually, if you had asked me six months before I recorded that episode, what I thought about that series. I would have probably just like shrugged and said like, yeah, I, I watched a bit of it. It wasn't anything in my childhood. It it wasn't like the Simpsons or Seinfeld where I had like lines tattooed into my mind. But uh, going back and rewatching the whole thing, including many episodes I hadn't watched when they first aired, I suddenly appreciated the show so much more. And I kind of look back at my younger self with like a uh, bit of scans wondering like what my problem was that I couldn't stick around and uh, watch this very good show. Uh, I think I just didn't like Frankie Muniz for some reason. But uh, taking the time to just dig into it and appreciate it for what it is and really note that it's it's still weirdly true today. And I think it hit on uh, sort of this timeless chord that really made it a great show and why a lot of other people still remember it too, which uh, also surprised me. Yeah, yeah, and there's something about like that, that to me, as I've been watching a lot of older TV for this, uh, strikes me as like the, the last era when networks really invested in TV shows and like the talent even that was on it. Like it is such a high talent show in terms of who was on it. I do agree that there's something unlikable about Muniz. He's got like a punchable face or something. But I mean, it's a, it's a damn good show. And uh, if anything, I look back and like, wow, how did we only talk for 40 minutes about this? I know it's it's such a deep show and also it it's like it's sort of the era of um, like discovering talent on TV. I feel like a lot of modern network shows are like built around stars where that show mm -hmm. absolutely wasn't. It was an idea that someone had and they just found some extremely talented people, especially kids. Kids are usually not great on TV, but yeah. uh, all the kids were great on that. All right. We've got Maggie and then we're going to go to our lightning round. So Maggie, bring it on home. So I was thinking about um, 
if I had, if you had asked me to record a podcast episode about The Office back when I was first watching it, that would have been like high school or college for me. So before I had been in the workforce, I think back then I would have wanted to talk about how Jim and Pam are like couple goals and Karen Filippelli is the worst. And I think all of us had that moment where we realized that Karen Filippelli did nothing wrong. Jim and Pam are objectively unremarkable as a couple. And the other thing is just recording the episode in my 30s instead, I was able to recognize a lot more of the humor. And Bree and I talked about this a lot on our episode, the humor of being in like a business to business workspace that wants to be a business to consumer workspace and just the general humor of like office culture in a way that like I couldn't really understand as a high schooler who only ever worked at the coffee shop. So it was kind of fun to come back to the show, you know, 15 or more years after I had first watched it and kind of reflect on it from that perspective versus how I perceived the show when I first watched it as essentially a child. Like, you know, I was a teenager, but I was, I was not um, a, a worldly young lady. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was fun to kind of look back at it from that perspective. And also to talk about it with Brie, who also has a B2B background. It was, it was really fun to just think about like the two like versions of myself and like our perceptions of the show. So that was kind of mm -hmm. the biggest takeaway for me. Awesome. So we're now entering a lightning round. However, unlike uh, lightning rounds of episodes past, including uh, the one with Kyle, which like I still like pour mine out for mine and Kyle's lightning round because that uh. was actually my f that was my favorite lightning round we've ever done, and it just got eaten by a computer. Um, so, by my uh, terrible computer, and I'm sorry. Oh, that's and so is my dog. A puppy. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> A little popcorn dog. Um, but now this lightning round actually is a quiz. And now a lot of people throughout season one have said, you, you've got to do community. you got to do community. I'm not going to lie. The more people tell me I've got to do community, the less motivated I am to do community. However, uh, this uh, the prize of this is pretty great. So there's there is one question, or there is um, what I guess one round for each episode. So 18, there is a total of... 36 possible points because there's going to be a question worth two points if no one gets it uh then we'll move on to a second question for one point um the person with the most points the they win a fabulous prize and that fabulous prize is uh in season two you get to do an episode of peak show you get to choose the subject choose the guest host i can be part of it or not if you want it's all up to you um, and if, uh, if you don't want that prize, you pass it on to someone else. Um, Jared is not allowed to participate because I tested the quiz out on him. So, um, basically, uh, do the polite thing that you guys all have been wonderful at doing, raise your hand. And thanks to Google, I will know who raised their hand first. So question one is about Malcolm in the middle. Um, uh, by the way, I just need to make sure I'm timing. actually, um, yeah, there's a, to make sure no one's Googling, we're, we've got like 10 seconds max on this. Number one, for two points, Jane Kazmarek has reunited with her on-screen husband, Brian Cranston, several times since the completion of Malcolm. But from 1992 to 2010, who was her equally famous real husband? Jose. I believe that was uh, Bradley Whitford. You are correct. Two points for Jose. 
Uh, by the way, the uh, second question that would have been worth one point, it just because uh, I made myself laugh with this, is following his stint in the White House on the small screen, one of his other well-known roles was as a big supporter of Barack Obama because the dad and get out. I don't know. I thought I was being funny. All right. For two points, a question about King of the Hill. So Mike's not here. So hope uh, we got some other King of the Hill heads in here. A seventh season episode of King of the Hill was deemed so disturbing by Fox that it was delayed in production for nearly two years and is shown very rarely in syndication. In it, Luann enters into a disturbing relationship with Pork Entrepreneur, voiced by which former Batman actor? Annie was first on that. Adam West? No, I'm sorry, Annie, it's not Adam West. Kyle. Is that Michael Keaton? It is Michael Keaton. I loved that episode. Uh, question three for two points. This is on So You Think and Dance. Several former cast members of So You Think and Dance have had roles in the stage production of Hamilton, including Thane Jasperson. Jasperson mainly played the role of Samuel Seabury in the original production, but he was also an alternate or understudy for two parts or three characters. Name one of those parts. Kelsey. King George III. Fantastic. You only needed one. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised Jason didn't jump on this because Jason, didn't you work it on the original production? Yes, I worked on the uh, off-Broadway production of Hamilton and I am, uh, I don't know, disappointed, mad at myself for not knowing this. <laughs> Yes, uh, the other the other role that he was an alternate for, by the way, which I find hilarious, is he also was um, he was a little Philip Hamilton slash John Lawrence, which uh, I think is fun. All right, episode four for two points. Steve Carell shows off his hockey and skating skills several times in the office. Carell had a collegiate hockey career playing what position? Gosh. Wild guest center. He was not a center. Mint. Yeah. Wild guest goalie. He was a goalie. Um, do you know how hard it was to come up with a second question for that? And uh, uh, my all or nothing friends are going to laugh on this. By the way, how come no one said all or nothing for best 2021 content? Um, no, I was going to say that in this position, his groin was like so important. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Episode five on Saw. So Brie and Vince excitedly note that B-list Canadian character actor Carlo Rota makes an appearance in Saw 5. One other Breaking Bad bit character made an appearance in a Saw sequel and met an equally gruesome act. Who is either that actor or the Breaking Bad character who makes an appearance in a Saw sequel? Okay, for one point, uh, in Saw 4, he dies in an underground bunker. In Breaking Bad, he dies while someone else is hiding in an underground bunker. Ted. Is it Hitler? No, I'm trying to think, was he affiliated with Nazis? No, um, so the <laughs> actor is Canadian actor Louis Ferreira, and he plays Declan, the uh, Arizona-based meth dealer. He dies, uh, he plays 
a character named Art Blank in Saw 4, and he gets his, like, spine severed, but he also, uh, he dies while Lydia is hiding in the underground bunker. The guy looks like Wolverine. He's like a, he's like a D-list Wolverine. All right, episode six on Canadian indie rock. Dallas Green has inarguably had the most successful post-Alexis on Fire career as a solo act. However, Wade McNeil has also had some mainstream success, including composing the score of which Canadian sports sequel? Okay, um, so for one point, the movie was co-written by one of the screenwriters of Superbad and a very popular mechanic, Mint. Is it Goon? Or Goon Last of the Enforcers? Yes, it was Goon Last okay. of the Enforcers. I feel like I recently got into some Goon discourse because I find, uh, I have said for a long time that Jack Campbell, I think, looks like Sean William Scott and no one talks nearly enough about it. Um, all right, episode seven, we got a Simpsons question. What was the first full production episode of The Simpsons, which was delayed and eventually made much later in the season? Ted. I'm gonna have to unmute myself. Um, uh, oh, I am blanking on the name of it now. I am a bad Simpsons fan. Uh, yeah, no, you know what? I can't remember now. I, I don't remember the name, so I'm gonna have to pass. Somebody else. <laughs> Alrighty, for one point, uh, one of the scenes that had to be reanimated was a scene of Marge and Homer dancing the mambo. Go ahead, Mint. Will you accept not an episode title, but a wild guess as to when it was released? Yeah, I'm sure. guessing the I'm guessing the finale of season one. If it was the it first was the finale production. of season one, I'm not sure I can give uh, give the. That's that. fair. Yeah, I've never so, seen the show, so it was an entirely of, wild yeah. guess. The name of the episode is "Some Enchanted Evening." Um, I would have also accepted because most people know it by this. It was the Babysitter Bandit episode. That was supposed to be the first full episode of The Simpsons, which is why the first episode ended up being a Christmas special. Um, okay, Ep uh, episode eight, another Simpsons question. This might be the easiest question on here, so everyone get your get your clickers ready. Kang and Kodos get their recipes from which cookbook? Go, Kyle. Oh, oh no, I'm not. I'm gonna get it all wrong. Uh. You know, I'm passing. I'm 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 All chickening right. out. <laughs> We're going to Jason. In the, in the second that that took, I've I've lost all confidence in this answer. Uh, is it to serve man? No, it is not to serve yep. man. Yep. Right. For one point, considering they were only feeding five people, this book may have been overkill. Ted, tell us. No, I'm I'm out too. Oh, All right. I'm bad at this. <laughs> this might be the only one. Ah, oh, I'm bad at this. Um, where I'm seeing Jared go crazy in the background. Um, the answer is how to cook for forty humans. <laughs> so, yep. Uh, I thought that was the easiest one. Turns out this one actually might be the easiest one. In Treehouse of Horror Five, my personal favorite, a scene was deleted featuring Bart skateboarding through the mansion and coming across which two characters? Annie. I don't know their names, but is it Marge's sisters? It was not. <sighs> All right. For one point, these characters. Uh, oh, wait, we've got Kyle for two points. Uh, I, I don't know their names either, but the, the twin girls from school. 
Yes, Sherry and Terry. We'll give you Sherry and Terry. One. Thank you. Okay, this this one this one's fun. Uh, I'm glad we've got a lot of hockey folks on the call. Due to the COVID nineteen pandemic, the Mighty Ducks game changers could not bring in all the guest actors and performers they wanted, including two NHLers who expressed an interest in appearing. Those two players at the time both played for an original six Canadian team and were a Canadian player and a Slovak player. Which two players were they? Okay, for one point, these two players who no longer play on the same original six team, which by the way, is a Leafs rival team, uh, one is comically large, the other is comically small. Mint, mint, go ahead. Is one of them Zdeno Chara? Yes, but we got to get the other one. In. Who's who's a former teammate of his who is also Canadian? Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> All right, we got Gauche next. Is it Wait, you said you said Canadian original six team. No, they one was a Canadian player. It was a original six team. Canadian and a Slovak. But, but you said you Canadian say. original. Yeah, you 16. definitely said Canadian original six yeah. team. Fuck me. All right. Play back well, the tape. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe you. I fuck up a lot. Um, I also, <laughs> I just want to mention Cole Caulfield is very small. So I just wanted to. That's what that. I was thinking. I was like, Cole yeah. Caulfield is not slow that. Cole Caulfield could have played one of the kids. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, it was Chara and Marshawn, which kind of, Marshawn yeah. didn't surprise me because he's like the right age to have been into the Mighty Ducks. Chara surprised me when I read about that. Um, Okie dokie. Episode 11. In Parks and Rec's season two episode, The Setup, uh, Amy Poehler's then-husband, Will Arnett, guest stars as an ill-fated suitor for Leslie. But that episode is also notable for being the first appearance of another recurring character. His very first appearance is at a job interview. Who is that character? Okay, for one point, this character's next appearance was also in season two, and he helps Tom invest in the Snake Hole Lounge. Can you go? Can you go for it? John Ralphio, the worst. He is the worst. I hate John Ralphio. No, I actually love John Ralphio. Um, yes, John Ralphio uh, makes his appearance in the setup, and it's lovely. It's um, he's interviewing for. Um, Ron's assistant position. Okay, here's a dark one. Scream 3's violence was notoriously toned down because of what real-life tragedy? Kelsey. I believe it was the Columbine shooting. It was! I, <laughs> I, I feel weird going, yeah, it was Columbine! <laughs> uh, but yes, it was Columbine. Um... Thank God. The only thing I could think of for uh, one point was this took place in Colorado. Um, okay, episode 13 on Radiohead. Um, <laughs> Tom York initially studied English at Oxford before transferring to University of Exeter and changing his major. What major did he ultimately graduate with? All right. He put his degree to good use at Radiohead, but not the way you think. Tom, Tom York has a degree in fine arts. He designed uh, their logo, the funny little bear guy. Um, alrighty. Uh, episode 14. Our kennels have twice postponed the rally show in Hamilton due to the COVID-19 pandemic. 
what is the venue where the show is set to take place, hopefully in June of 2022? Sam Brooks. Uh, Tim Horton's Field. Tim Horton's Field. He is on the board. As, as both an Arkells and CFL fan, that one is, uh, that was a gimme. And a Hamilton fan. And um, a Hamilton fan, right. yeah. They just won. All right. Oh, Going to the Grey Cup. Yeah. Good for the Ticats. Um, oh, that means that good luck video from the Leafs was all for nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Episode 15, Top Model. ANTM supermodel judges have included Twiggy, Paulina Poroskova, and Janice Dickinson. What famous Asian American model and former creative director of Baby Fat? Annie. <laughs> I'm shocked no one else jumped on this so quickly, but it's Kamora Lee Simmons. It is Kamora. Okay, we have come to episode 16. Actor Larry Thomas played a character named Yev Kasim in an episode of Seinfeld. But what might Mr. Kasim's character better be known as? Ted. Uh, that's the soup Nazi. It is the soup Nazi. And a fun thing about, uh, about Larry Thomas is he has a connection to Arrested Development. He plays one of the Saddam Hussein impersonators in the penultimate episode. Um, which is why that joke with uh, where uh, George saying, uh, I, thought he, I thought it was the guy who played the soup Nazi. Um, okay, episode 17. Judd Apatow makes a brief cameo, presumably as himself, although his name is never given, in which 2017 Oscar-winning comedy? Kelly, go for it. The Big Short? It is not The Big Short. Jason? Uh, I believe that'd be The Big Sick. It is not the big sick. All right. So for one point, yes, again, remember, it is a 2017 Oscar winning comedy. For one point, one of this movie's few criticisms was that the casting of brothers to play the two lead roles downplayed any alleged sexual tension. You guys are tearing me apart. It's the disaster artist. He plays a producer in a restaurant that Tommy Wiseau walks up to and like begs for advice and stuff. It's it's a very bizarre scene because you're it's you're not sure if he's supposed to be Judd Apatow or he's just supposed to be a producer. It's a weird that won an Oscar. It did. James Franco uh, won an Oscar. Don't enjoy that. Um, Oh yes, we have all suppressed James Franco from our collective memories. Okay. Episode 18, John Michael Higgins plays the no-nonsense attorney Wayne Jarvis on Arrested Development. He later stars as a professor with almost the opposite characterization in which NBC comedy series? Kelsey, tell him. Community? Yes! It fucking killed me! <laughs> it is community. Uh, so... With that, I don't even have to count. Wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, oh, wait. So, no, that is six points. Kelsey is the winner of the lightning rounds. Kelsey, as a uh, as uh, the winner of this, should you should you choose, you uh, basically get to. Um, you get to pick uh, an episode of Peak Show to do sometime next season. Uh, you can kind of plan it out. You can choose a guest if you want. You can incorporate me or not, subject of your choosing. Um, and if you don't wish to do that, you can pass it along back to me or you can get priority guesting for an episode next season. But either way, snaps to Kelsey. Peak Show is about friends and friendship. So, um, And now that we're speaking of next season, it is time to... Uh, 
uh, share some news about next season. I'm extremely happy to report, of course, that season two will be coming for Peak Show. And we have a few amazing, great guests who's already booked. Um, by the way, everyone uh, on this call is welcome to come back for any future episodes they want, except for Jared, that stinker. Um, the order of these might be fluid as we lock everything down, but we are coming back in February. So stay tuned. Um, he kind of went to the public to ask what they want to see more of. And um, what we're trying to do in season two is move not away from, but expand beyond just so many TV shows. And uh, we were especially told that we wanted, uh, people wanted more on specific creators, like filmmakers and stuff. We didn't get a lot of asks for music, but I'm doing a musical episode anyway, uh, probably for the first episode of season two. Um, like I said, this one is a bit different for me because this isn't something I've always been a huge fan of, but I am being joined by someone who is a huge fan of it. I am doing an episode on Taylor Swift. And joining me is uh, from CBC Pop Chats and from BuzzFeed Culture Writer is the amazing Alameen Abdul Mahmoud. I am so excited. Um, he was so, so happy when I offered, uh, when I uh, came to him with a request. Um, and I, I, was, I was flattered at how excited he was. So uh, yeah, you can look forward to an episode on Taylor Swift, uh, one episode per album. What we might have to do is 10 years later, do a 10 hour version of, of that episode. Um, episode two, um, you guys know that I love horror movies. And if you have not listened to the fabulous horror movie podcast, Kill by Kill, I would highly recommend it. Um, the amazing Patrick Hamilton is going to be joining me to speak about one of my favorite movie series, Final Destination. We're going to be talking about the best splats and explosions and bus hits. Uh, very excited about that. Um, and then his Kill by Kill co-host, Gina Ratcliffe, is going to be joining me for an episode not about a horror series, uh, but we're doing our first creator-focused episode. We are talking about Coen Brothers. So. Um, I'm really excited about that. I'm excited to get a little bit more prestige. Actually, if everyone wants to just jump in and uh, raise their hand and tell me very quickly, what is your favorite Coen Brothers movie? Because all the answers are always so different. It's going to be Inside Lewin Davis for me. I'm going to go weird. I'm going to say Burn After Reading. I love Burn After Reading. Uh, I'm a big Western guy, and I love True Grit. It's the better adaptation of that book. Yeah, as a as a Kentuckian and bluegrass lover, I have to go, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? That's my jam a serious man all right see it's always so different the most and... jewish one <laughs> well because i grew up down the street from the namesake i always have to go with fargo <laughs> i'm a big i think anyone who follows me on twitter for any reason knows i'm a big john carroll lynch fan so yeah i love fargo yeah also a minnesotan also saying fargo most of annie's and my family members sound like characters from fargo so that one hits close to home <laughs> Awesome. See, I love asking people what their favorite Coen Brothers movie is. No one dislikes the Coen Brothers. That's going to be hard to like figure out uh, the peak of. Um, now, this next one, uh, I'd say um, you guys know the the GIF of Bobby Hill going like. Yes. Um, I think that might. I think this one might result in Jose doing that. Uh, we're doing a kind of multimedia takedown. I'm being joined by the fabulous wife and wife duo BJ and Harmony Colangelo. This ends at prom. And we are talking about Babysitter's Club as a whole, book series, original TV series, current TV series, movie. 
Uh, yeah, and if everyone, you know, if everyone wants to jump in and tell me which babysitter they identify with and tell me I am not the only Mallory. Well, I, I want to say Dawn, just because I feel like she's <laughs> the best of us. But I also feel yes. like uh, I'm, I'm very Marianne. You know, Marianne, Marianne is very underrated. So, um, all right. So this next one, I am super excited to be welcoming Justin J. Case. Um, he has been a guest host on some of the original run uh, We Hate Movies. He's formerly of the blog Recap This. And again, he just has a fantastic like podcast voice. We're talking another filmmaker. We're talking M. Night Shyamalan. I am so, so excited to talk about his evolution as a director uh, and also about kind of the yucky racism he's faced as a director. So, you know. Um, now, these next ones coming up do not have guest host booked. Like I said, slide into my DMs if you are curious about it at all. Uh, this next one is going to be a fun, complicated one because it's a great mix of, um, you know, fuzzy, happy feelings and also a lot of propaganda. We're talking Brooklyn Nine-Nine, um, which just ended. So, you know, it's appropriate to, uh, to bring it to peak show. Next is our first one on an actor. I am going to be talking about the career of Jimmy Stewart, uh, which I'm really excited for. I love all the stages of his career. I love everything about who he is. <laughs> I am really excited to talk Jimmy Stewart. So if anyone out there is interested in talking Jimmy Stewart, again, slide into the old DMs. Next, um, this one might make Liz yell. Um, I am super excited uh, <laughs> to uh, discuss David Fincher and his movies and TV work. Um, noted social network fan Liz is, is just going crazy right now. Um, unfortunately, her Prada's at the cleaners. Um, and uh, actually, so we're coming into June and that is going to be one where, as you know, when you have three episodes of peak show in one month because it's an extra long month that's when we do super month and we do a subject that is way too big for one episode i'm very serious when i say that jared might join me on some of these but we're going to be looking for experts on all three of these we're talking star wars for three episodes it might kill me i think my virginity might be reinstated for it um and everyone is so excited oh i have apparently i have to pick maggie so um the good news is there's three whole episodes maggie is is star wars a big part of your personality you need to understand that every cat i had growing up had a star wars name my parents still have star wars cats this was a huge part of growing up i haven't mm -hmm. followed as much of the newer stuff but when i was a kid like this was my family's whole identity so that's adorable. I'm in. Sign me up. Yeah, yeah. Amos and I. Amos and I will be there. Can the yeah. pull quote of the episode please be "My parents still have Star Wars cats"? <laughs> just you know, non sequitur. Just that. Yes, it will be. Yeah, they do have a cat named Wedge Antilles, who I named. So we're oh. hardcore. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I have many memories of Pizza Night and Star Wars, the same Star Wars movie, for I think three summers straight, every month. <laughs> That's so cute. Um, all right, I'm uh, I'm saying this next one with a big sigh because, and the note I have uh, written next to it for hosts is no white dudes, um, because it came to my, I, I came to the realization during season one that I cannot just do stuff that I love. Um, I have to do stuff that gives me complicated feelings um, and people that I think might not always have the best intentions, but have also done good work. 
no, I'm not doing community. Um, uh, I uh, am doing one on the work of Matt Stone and Trey Parker. And I'm doing it. I, I'm choosing not to focus entirely on South Park. Of course, South Park will be a huge part of it, but also a huge part of their legacy is things like Book of Mormon, which I actually think is a really good musical, although incredibly problematic. Um, Orgasmo, and even uh, although they were mainly just actors in it, Basketball, a movie that has not aged well, but man, it is a comfort movie for me. Um, so yeah, uh, no white dudes for that one. <laughs> That's like the one thing I feel like I have to I have to put as a caveat for that. Uh, oh yes, and Cannibal the Musical. Thank you, Jason. We've got some musical theater nerds on here. So, um, all right. And uh, our next one is a filmmaker slash actor who's had a lot of ups and downs in his career. He is a uh, noted. Uh, he, he is a noted uh, polarizing Canadian. And I actually have this small conspiracy theory that he's actually part of the reason why the Leafs have had such terrible playoff success since two thousand four. And that is Mike Myers. And, uh, you know, Mike Myers, what an, what an up and down guy uh, from the amazingness that was uh, Wayne's World and, uh, and as well the original Austin Powers. But he did choose to uh, make the love guru and depict the Toronto Maple Leafs winning Stanley Cup. And I blame him for that. Has anyone seen the love guru? Uh, I actually, uh, for my book, I wrote a large essay on the love guru, and I think it broke my brain a little bit. Um, I I was initially pleasantly surprised because I'm like, oh, I didn't know there's going to be some hockey in this movie. And also, Romney Malko is playing a hockey player. That's awesome. I, I love that guy, and that's a cool role for him. And then you get about five minutes into it, and you're like, oh, this this is... It, it continuously got worse and worse as the movie kept going and I had to watch it in 10 minute shifts so that I didn't die. It's a very exhausting watch. It's like a marathon watch. And, and it's a weird thing where I do remember watching that. I don't remember anything about that. And yes, I agree, Justin, with Maggie, who has popped into the chat to say that Justin Timberlake was a good part of that movie. I think that was when we were still just discovering like, oh, Justin Timberlake's funny, right? All right. And finally, um, this one uh, coming out, I think we're, we're going all the way to August. Uh, and after that, I have to go back to the drawing board. But I wanted to do something that is a fun nostalgia watch for everyone. Uh, we've got a new season coming out soon. And I have a feeling it might be the last season because all of the children are now seven feet tall. And, um, you know, we're we're talking Stranger Things. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I have enjoyed Stranger Things, the various stages that it has gone through. And so uh, I want to talk, you know, um, maybe, who, who knows, my, my dear beloved Jared, who has some experience with existing in the 80s, um, you know, you can, you can fill us in on the, you know, everyone's very politely muted and we're all laughing at Jared and his 1980s existence. So you guys unmute yourself to make fun of Jared. I kind of want Jared to be my dad. Oh God! <laughs> you could have taught me so much about model trains. Like, oh my God! <laughs> there's a there's just layers there, Sam. Layers. Sam, it is kind of uncomfortable when you say you want Jared to be your dad when we're the same age. Yeah, I know I. that. Okay. Yep, I'm uncomfortable. Oh boy. 
So before we before we say adieu, I do want to uh, do a quick uh, little roundtable again. Everyone, just raise your hands as politely as you have been, and just tell me a little bit something about um, 2022 and pop culture that you're looking forward to. Um, I had a couple things written down. Obviously, the next uh, season of Ted Lasso, I am looking forward to, um, and more Bake Show and uh, all my silly normie shit. But uh, I want to know what you guys are looking forward to in the next year. Talisman. Uh, Spider Verse Two, which the first trailer just dropped either yesterday or sometime very recently. It looks. So cool, and uh, next October, I think, uh, oh, it's coming shit, out. I didn't so that. I immediately Spider-verse. top of the list. Awesome. Liz, what about you? Uh, Louis Tomlinson's sophomore album should be coming out next year, um, and that will be my entire personality as soon as that comes out. So get ready. <laughs> get excited for that. I'm not personally looking forward to that because I don't know much about these lads, but I'm looking forward to th- that season of your life and what my I appreciate will that. look like. <laughs> Annie. Oh, there we go. I wouldn't unmute. Um, I am not great at this because I don't always know what's coming. <laughs> um, but I am I don't know if this counts, but the next season of Cobra Kai drops on on the 31st of the month. So I'll be watching it next year. So yeah, same I, I feel like that kind of counts. And then um there's a lot of talk about Taylor Jenkins Reed, who's an author, about she has like multiple books of hers three of which are my favorite books of hers maybe being streamlined into either a movie or a series so i'm just fingers crossed that that happens very very soon super duper jose so i don't know when exactly it is coming out Uh, i assume in 2022 but uh the final season of better call saul is something I've been looking forward to for a while. uh, And I'm really glad uh, Bob Odenkirk got healthy enough to finish it. And I hope he's doing well. We love you, Bob. Um, Yeah, actually, uh, so funny thing about Seinfeld is we were in our recent Seinfeld binge. You know, everyone knows, like, Brian Cranston is in Seinfeld. Anna Gunn has an episode. Totally forgot that Odenkirk has an episode of Seinfeld in the episode where Elaine is dating a doctor, but he's actually a medical intern. That is a very youthful and handsome-looking Bob Odenkirk. So, uh, he looks good. Also, um, uh, Junkyard Joe, who destroys the uh, who destroys the RV, that is um, the actor who played Kramer in the fake pilot. So, Tom Pepper. All right, Ted, tell us what you're looking forward to in 2022. Well, I will say I'm looking forward to uh, the next uh, saga of Stranger Things, uh, and because that that'll be the thing that I'll resub my Netflix for because I haven't been on it uh, for a while. Um, and then, of course, uh, obviously, the, uh, the ongoing, uh, just kind of bringing it full circle to my uh, original answer, the ongoing patch content for Final Fantasy XIV, as that uh, <laughs> continues through 2022. That's going to be my entire personality. Uh, I don't tweet about it much, but uh, I did the other day for fun, and that was nice. Mm-hmm. All right, Jason, what are you looking forward to next year? I'm looking forward to two movies about uh, men who are trying to destroy themselves, body and mind, on camera. That's Jackass Forever and the (laughs) next Mission Impossible movie. Um, Both have been delayed multiple times. Uh, Mission Impossible especially has already been pushed back, I think, maybe three or four times now because of the pandemic. And I have reached my breaking point. And if they delay it again, uh, I'm going to be acting out. I'll say that much. 
I'm really excited for Jackass as well. That might be what finally gets me out to this tiny little theater. Uh, Maggie, what are you looking forward to next year? So I made a little list. Um, Casey McQuiston and Alexis Hall have books coming out next year that I'm very excited for. They are called I Kiss Shara Wheeler and Husband Materials. So very looking much forward to look, excuse me, very much looking forward to that. Please edit that out. That was embarrassing. Um, Charity Morgan has a cookbook coming out. And then one of the actors from Ragnarok has confirmed that there is going to be a third season. I really hope it's next year because I'm very excited about it. But that's probably the one that I'm like most hype about is a is a third season of Ragnarok. Kelsey. Yeah, I've got two. I think one uh, relevant to our discussion today, uh, Scream, uh, mm-hmm. the the next oh, yeah. installment of the Scream uh, movies. Very excited to see what that is about. And then um, this is the end of December, but um, I've been looking forward to it for some time. That is the Kingsman prequel that is coming out uh, at oh, Christmas, yeah. which... I'm pretty stoked for so and I probably won't end up seeing it till 2022 anyway but yeah um yeah or at least like you know it'll be after Christmas when I see it but yeah so mm-hmm. those are those are two that I'm looking forward to all righty Kyle uh this is also late December that this is coming out I'm sure I won't get to it until after the first of the year which is the Witcher season two that's uh been a good one for me and my wife to sit down and watch uh after the kids are asleep and, you know, that's our appointment television. If there actually was an appointment, you know, there isn't, but <laughs> it's a, it's a great show. It's uh it's a great, it's a great, you know, Netflix and chill quote unquote show. Cause it's uh, quite sexy, but also kind of badass. <laughs> I love sexy witch stuff. All right, Gauche. Technically it's not next year. Cause it's like a week from now, but uh, I, I I'm looking forward to Spider-Man no way home. I, I have to watch this. I have to know how much they combine. Uh, and the other thing uh, it has nothing to do with pop culture or anything we've talked about, but uh, the hockey playoffs, cause I hate myself. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to say my non pop culture thing I'm looking forward to is um, uh, my first time getting on a plane since long before COVID, because I don't fly that much, and certainly not since COVID. But um, uh, a certain someone on this call is getting married in February, and it's the only thing motivating me to leave my house in the winter. I'm looking forward to Sam's wedding. Um, not not just motivating is... you to leave your house in the winter, but coming to Edmonton in February, I know. which I've is never... um, it is wonderful. Like I, I will say as a, as a Westerner, as a, as a good Prairie boy, isn't that what you we said? The G in my name stands for, um, yes. uh, as a, as, as a good Prairie boy, I absolutely love the winter here because it's cold and it's snowy, but it's sunny and it's fun. And it's the complete opposite of Toronto winter, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. I can't wait for you to come down. Yeah. How many pairs of thermal underwear do I need? Uh, like zero. You're going to be inside the whole time. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to break it to you, to Torontoites. You know, I, I understand that you don't live in Toronto anymore, but um, Edmonton is still a city. We have buildings with heat and we have vehicles that take you between those buildings and we have sidewalks that you can walk on. And like, it's, you know, it's just, it's just a cold city. It's a, it's a dry cold. It's, you know, it's a totally different kind of cold. It's fine. Says says the one of the two Ottawa people on this podcast. We've, Listen, we I have alone. lived here for fifteen years, and I <laughs> have Ottawa not murder got, in the winter. I have not gotten used to the Ottawa winters yet. I grew up in northwestern Ontario, well above the sea level. 
and it was just right like just on the other side of Manitoba and it was great. I would I would walk to school in minus 40. I can't handle like minus 10 in the city and I don't know what it is. Honestly can relate though because like I didn't I was fine with Kapuskasing winters and I didn't like Toronto winters but that might also be because winter and everything is so fun when you're a kid that you have no idea you can't actually properly perceive how cold it is. Um, so yeah, this has been, uh, oh yes. And part, we've got some New Yorkers on, on the call, but Kelsey originally being a Southerner, uh, I gotta, I gotta imagine that was probably one of the biggest shocks to you. Um, we, uh, we're about to get into winter is winter is difficult discourse. So, um, I'm very happy to say that we've barreled to the conclusion of this episode, uh, our, our little Google Hangout. I know that uh, Zoom parties and Google Hangouts party were largely a staple of 2020, but it does genuinely mean a lot to me that we can use to hang out um, and see each other. I just want to thank everyone on this call once again, and um, especially Jared uh, for all that he's done behind the scenes, uh, for keeping the show running uh, from a technical perspective, as well as keeping me motivated, uh, keeping me uh, abreast of all the really nice and flattering statistics, because this has been one of the biggest shocking successes of my life. Um, so thank you all for giving up your Sunday when you could have been watching some primo CFL content or I guess Jingle All the Way on CBC is playing right now. That's what I'm giving up for this. Um, so for those listening, new episodes are paused for a few short weeks. But if you hate your family over the holidays, uh, you can look through our back catalog to hear some of our thoughts on The Simpsons, King of the Hill, Radiohead, Arkell's Scream, Saw, Arrested Development, etc., etc. I have and will continue to be your host, Bree Rohde. And it has been a pleasure and a peak. Ted, did you want to say something on the air or is this an off the record thing? Oh, I just wanted to ask if you were going to do an episode on community at some point. Oh my god! <laughs> Ted is out here doing the most and we love it. Listen. <laughs>